One of the questions, problems that I confront the most as a priest is the question of suffering. Probably not too much as a surprise. But it's usually from Christians, Catholics, believers, who have to all of a sudden face some trial, some, some suffering, face the cross in their lives. And it could be something that is very brief. It could be something that takes a long period of time. It could be a sickness, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, the betrayal of a friend, whatever it is. But some type of suffering, particularly maybe an unexpected one, comes and it begins to try the faith of the individual who is enduring the suffering. If God was good, if God was just, why am I suffering like this? And it can often lead even good and devout Catholics to maybe question God's goodness or be tempted to leave their faith or to allow their hearts to become hardened. How do we face this? How do we address this question of seemingly unjust suffering? The truth is this, and I'll speak it plainly. Trials and tribulations are going to come in our lives, and there's nothing we can do about it. You could say it is just part of the way of the world. Suffering and death exists. Injustice exists. Death exists as part of what we live with as humans in a fallen world. But as Christians, we see it from a little different perspective. It's part of a share in the cross. Jesus has said if we want to follow him, we've got to pick up his cross. We heard it in the gospel. The grain has to die. It would be really nice if we didn't have to endure this. Even Jesus said... Father, save me from this hour. But yet, Jesus still had to suffer. Son, though he was, learned obedience through suffering. So if we're going to be conformed to Jesus, if we are going to follow him, why do you think that we are not going to have to endure suffering? Not for some sort of a sadistic purpose, but suffering done in love becomes the path to salvation. This has always been a struggle, the question of the problem of pain. I think, though, it's a bigger problem today because a lot of Christians and Catholics have this attitude or this thinking in their mind, God is good, he's only going to give me good things. My life is going to be peachy keen, everything is going to be wonderful because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and God's going to do what he's supposed to do. I'm going to have this wonderful life. Now, the roots of this probably come from a number of different ways. One is the prosperity gospel that we see in so many evangelicals. If you just read your Bible, God's going to bless you with lots of money and all kinds of friends and a great hairdo like Joel Osteen. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is the cross and the crucified Christ is at the center. But also, and we're all guilty of this, we live, unlike other generations, a life of tremendous comfort. We don't have to deal with darkness. We have electricity. We don't have to deal with the lack of food. We can just go over to the store. We don't have to deal with sickness and death as much. We can just take some medicine. And these are all good things. But we've come to expect a certain level of comfort. 
sang at 6 p.m. Mass. Uh, priests, a few hundreds of us, usually go to the beach for Easter. This year, for whatever reason, people are probably ready to get out of COVID. It's almost impossible to find a good place. And the people that used to let me use their place don't have access to it anymore. And so guess what? Instead of being in a condo on the beach, we have to stay at a rectory about two miles inland. Oh, the cross stinks. <laughs> and so we want to do this. It's a free place, but we're going to get in the car. We're going to put our little ice chest with our drinks and drive two miles. It's like carrying the cross. It's a terrible suffering. I just can't walk out of the door. If I needed to refill my drink, I just can't go back into the house. I have to, to go and drive back. No, this is ridiculous. We're still blessed to be able to go on this vacation. It's not really the cross, but we've gotten, myself included, so used to a certain level of comfort. So how do we do this? How do we acknowledge that suffering exists, that we cannot avoid the cross, but learn to press through, learn to maybe even accept it graciously? And so what I want to propose is inspired by a few things that I've been reading, sort of a a way of looking at it from a parable or a type of a parable. If you look at what Jesus said, a lot of the times he used nature, seeds and trees and vines to explain the mysteries. And so in the same way, I think probably using the seasons of nature, a great way for us to understand this. And I can phrase it very, very simply. Most of us, and maybe it's because we live in southern Louisiana, expect it to be summer all the time. Not summer in southern Louisiana with mosquitoes and humidity, maybe summer in the Bahamas, all the time. Always great weather, always a nice breeze, everything to be easy. But the fact of the matter is, summer comes to an end and winter comes. And sometimes winter can last a very long time. And it's dark and it's cold and things die. And we wish it wasn't that way, but you can't avoid it. There's no summer all year around. We've got to be able to embrace and face winter. Winter, which is the cross. Winter is lack. Winter is trials and tribulations and suffering. Winter is going to come, so how are we going to handle it? How are we going to handle it? And so, using the inspiration of a few things I've been reading and some wisdom from some people that I know, I want to use the analogy of nature, but specifically a tree tree to help us better understand that when the winter comes and the winds blow away all the leaves, they fall off and die. There's no longer any fruit in the tree. And all it looks like is a bunch of dead bone fingers against a silver sky. No life. How do we persevere? The first thing is this. In the midst of winter, no matter what that suffering may be, we've got to be able to remember summer. That there was a time when it wasn't dark and cold. That we had a nice summer. We could sit under the shade of the tree. We could sit on the beach, drink our Mai Tais. Hopefully you didn't have to go two miles inland to go and refill them. 
You have that nice, cool breeze. You're with friends, having a picnic. You're having a wonderful time. All of us have those memories. Now, we can't live back in the summer in our minds, but we've got to be able to go back and say, yeah, it really stinks now, but I remember a time when God was blessing me, when I knew he existed, when things were good and I was experiencing his grace. Number two, amidst the death, amidst the darkness, amidst the barrenness, we've got to look for good. <coughs> we have to look for beauty. And this is the point that a very wise individual that I know said, if you look at a dead tree, you can focus on the lack. There, there, there's no life. There's no fruit. There are no leaves. But if you look at the interstices, that's when the branches sort of intersect with each other and the spaces in between. And she says that it's like stained glass windows. If you ever look at a stained glass window, you have all of this sort of metal that encases glass that's colored. And so if you don't have those branches, you don't have the color in between. And so we have to see that tree like a stained glass window and look at the interstices, look at the parts across there so we can see through to see the sky. The blue sky, the sunrise, the sunset, it's like a stained glass window. But if we had the fullness of the leaves, yeah, it would be beautiful, but we wouldn't be able to see the sky. And so there still is a way, even whenever there is darkness in winter, to focus on the abundance rather than the scarcity. To be able to see the stained glass window of the sky. Third, that when a tree dies, guess what? The leaves fall and become mulch for all the little grubs and things that are there so new life can come. The, the, the nuts and the acorns fall so our little squirrel friends can come and have dinner. They can store the little nuts for the winter. That even when we're suffering and stripped of things, we can do good for others. Maybe others can look at us and say, look how nobly they're suffering, conform to Christ and be inspired. And maybe we can offer those things up somehow for the salvation of souls or for the conversion of individuals. We can turn that death into something good in order to help others. Fourth is that even though it's winter and the tree appears to be dead, it's really not. Trees are pretty strong. That uh, under the, the shell, there is life going on. The trees have a, sort of, a certain fortitude. They're strong. And we need to have the same thing too. That no matter how bad things get, we still have the life of God in us. We still can practice courage and fortitude, perseverance, to be able to press through. That it's not the end. Life always hangs on. And then fifth, and probably the most important, no matter how dark it gets, and no matter how bleak it seems, and no matter how cold it is, it be 20 degrees below zero, and you're in Nebraska, and there's terrible food, whatever it is, one day spring's going to come. It always does. Winter never lasts forever. You're going to see the little buds, maybe small signs of hope. Keep your eyes open for them. But ultimately, winter comes to an end. So we can't lose hope. We have to keep pressing on. And so, yeah, we can use this idea of nature and the cycle of the seasons. 
to understand our life because that's the way it is. Yes, indeed, we may be in winter, but spring's going to come. And then guess what? It's going to be great. But again, winter is going to come. You don't know when. You don't know how long it's going to be. But this is the cycle of life. You're never going to escape the cross. It's often going to come in forms we don't like and at times that we do not expect. Sorry, this is how it is. We can't change the weather. We can't change the dynamic of salvation. And it's something that we as Catholics ought to be able to understand because we, if you pay attention, and you really are involved in your faith, know that, that we don't believe that salvation is linear. In a certain sense, yes, it is, but we see more it's cyclical. And that every year we have liturgical seasons. It starts at Advent as we prepare for Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. But guess what? Christmas doesn't last all year round. Ordinary time starts. And then guess what happens? Lent comes every year. A time of the desert, a time of penance, a time of fasting, a time of suffering. So this is winter. And this is what the liturgical season should remind us. You're never going to escape Lent. But eventually, Lent is going to pass away, and we're going to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, the spring. There's hope. We need to dig deep into that, look forward to it. Lent's almost over. We're almost out of the desert. And we celebrate that, but knowing again it's going to come around. If we can get used to the seasons, if we can get used to the liturgical cycle, then we are going to be able to better, hopefully, endure suffering, endure winter, endure Lent when it comes. Always knowing that it never lasts forever, that it does produce great fruit and endurance in the spiritual life. Most importantly, Winter, death, suffering is ultimately conquered, even though we may not understand because we, how it is or how it plays out, because we believe in faith that on Easter Sunday, in just a few weeks, Jesus Christ, who endured the most unjust winter, rose from the dead, never to die again. Amen.